Welcome to episode 14 of the Half Point Per Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Riggs, joined once again by my co-host, Dalton Willie and producer, Johnny Pham. Dalton, I feel like we had to wait a, a couple days this week. We just, we wouldn't have been in the right frame of mind on Tuesday with, with all of the injuries, all of the devastation uh, across football this last week in the record. We, ha- we had to push it to a Thursday. It was just too much. Yeah, I mean, week two was just incredibly depressing. Uh, the number of players that went down, the big names from Saquon to CMC, and I think there needs to be a federal grand jury investigating the turf at MetLife Stadium <laughs> because that field uh, owns more ACLs than Ndamukong Sue owns injuries in his career. It was absolutely absurd watching the, the Niners go down and the number of Jets injuries they have on their own line. I think the only person that had a fun time week two was Johnny. Johnny put up like, what was it, like 160 in our league this week? Something stupid. I was supposed to put up 160, but Emmanuel Sanders dropped the egg with like two points. I <laughs> so, so what I, you end up with like 148, 150? Like Must be tough. Must be tough. Rough day at the office. But Aaron, Aaron Jones and Russell Wilson leading the way. Yeah, um, I couldn't even clear 100 this week. So yeah, as, as for us, Dalton scored half of those points, and I lost by four points. I'm fine. I'm fine that Tyreek Hill lost, made me lose my matchup because the Chiefs won. I'm fine with that. What I'm not fine with is all these Buccaneers guys dropping passes, Tom underthrowing a flea flicker by about 55 yards. That should have been a touchdown. And Christian McCaffrey getting hurt right before uh, Mike Davis had like 85 garbage time catches. So it's fine. I'm fine, guys. I'm fine. Hey, Christian McCaffrey still got you like 23 points. So He did, but he could have got me four more, which is all I needed. But that Tom Brady flea flicker was <laughs> so gross that I was telling Kaylee, I was like, that's such a bad throw. And she's like, it was a good catch, though. I was like, should have been a touchdown. Easily. <laughs> and then LaShawn McCoy dropped the touchdown in the back of the end zone. Saw that one. That that one about sent me through the roof. And then uh, Scotty Miller, I think, dropped another one as well. Uh, it was tough times. And it looks like, uh, Dalton, do we have an overreaction? to? I don't know what the overreaction would be because Jonathan Taylor got 26 carries, but he's all of a sudden on the trade block. What's up with that? I mean, with all the injuries going on, just want to go out there and see if anybody's too desperate. See if I can't put together a nice little trade, getting some key assets back. It's always just good to throw a lure out there in the water and see what kind of fish bites. It's nothing big. I'm I'm gonna keep Jonathan Taylor unless I get a real good offer. Would you trade him straight up for Christian McCaffrey? Not on my grave. Really, I actually would. Um, I was just say, I, I, say, I, I would. I would not trade McCaffrey to you. If I were you, I would make that trade with me. I would not. Uh, Jonathan Taylor outscores Christian McCaffrey once Christian McCaffrey returns. Hot take of the week. Okay. All right. Um, on that note, as we talked about with the injuries, there there are just a ton of guys you have to find replacements for. Saquon for the full season, Cortland Sutton for the full season, and then long-term for Christian McCaffrey, Raheem Mostert's another one. And then the obvious guy there, Tevin Coleman, also went down. Don't know exactly how long. Sounds like multiple weeks there. We're not going to speculate too much further. But I thought we should start off, uh, since we're obviously way late for a waiver show, we, c- we can start off with just uh, kind of breaking down each of these different situations and kind of what we expect um, from these guys uh, for the Panthers, Giants, and Niners going forward. And if there's a competition among guys who we kind of think is, is our favorite of that group. Uh, Dalton, let's start with start with the Panthers. Uh, what what are your what are your thoughts on, on this situation and 
probably specifically Mike Davis going forward. Well, there were a lot of fantasy analysts who said going into this season that Mike Davis was somebody you should hold and was putting him in the same name and vein as uh, people like Tony Pollard. I was not one of those people, and I thought that was generally a bad take. But then I saw his involvement and seeing Reggie Bonifon relegated to the practice squad. Um, Mike Davis is an every-week starter. If you're somebody who was running back needy, you should have bidded high on him. And if you lost CMC... I think that Mike Davis is going to do a pretty good job at replacing some of that value. I mean, he he just catches balls still, and that's all you want out of a, a backup running back. They're probably going to pass more and run less, but you're still going to get a ton of points out of Mike Davis. He probably has a safe floor of eight or nine points and still has a ceiling if he can break one big. Uh, he's not going to have the rushing upside that Christian McCaffrey gives you, but it's a very, very quality back that you can flex every week at the very minimum. Sure. I So, obviously, full disclosure, I'm a Christian McCaffrey owner in, in one of our leagues. I bid, what was it, $30 to make sure, out of a $100 fab budget to make sure I got him. Um, if that tells you anything, I think, so if I had to guess, obviously we're not doing rankings, but if I had to kind of guess, like put a, somewhat of a number next to it, what I think, I think you're getting a top 24 guy at running back, which, you know, given the strength of the receiver position is right there, like in the, the RB2 or the flex conversation. Um, in my opinion, you mentioned the involvement in the passing game. He had eight catches and not all of that was after McCaffrey got hurt. So you feel pretty good about the targets. He's obviously capable um, in the passing game. And then just that offense, that offense, I think that's just kind of one of the things they want to do is pass it to the running back. And um, I guess the only question really here, since it seems like we both like him quite a bit is, are, are we concerned at all about Curtis Samuel and his potential involvement? Maybe, uh, running the ball any, anymore. I'm not concerned about Curtis Samuel um, taking away any looks. He's going to be the RB2 to Mike Davis's RB1. Uh, I do think that Curtis Samuel is another guy that's available on a lot of waivers that you should be considering. I think his involvement in the, the overall game plan of that team is going to increase. I think that his usage could get more interesting, close to what we saw at Ohio State. But as mm -hmm. far as a, a boon to Mike Mike Davis I don't think he's gonna be much of that yeah I, I'm with you and we we see we see headlines like uh, offensive coordinator wants to get Curtis Samuel more touches and it's like you, you know Mike Davis he's not Christian McCaffrey obviously nobody is and very few guys are true workhorses where he if he get if Mike Davis gets 70 percent of the touches like you're happy with that like that's more than a lot of running backs that you're playing um so I'm not worried about it really at all and I, I guess I do agree with you that if you have the spot, um, Samuel is not a bad stash, especially if something were to happen to Mike Davis, then he really becomes valuable, obviously. But at the same time, if you happen to be a McCaffrey owner and you invested in Mike Davis, there's probably almost no chance you can invest in a third running back on that team. So very roster dependent, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. Mike Davis is just a, a good contrarian play if you lost the bidding war or if your team still uses uh, waiver order based on finish of the week, if you live in the stone ages <laughs> and I, I do actually think when mike davis when he was kind of a thing in seattle a couple of years ago he he shows some decent pop on in the ground game i think he's an okay player yeah overall mike davis is a pretty he's a quality back i mean He's definitely a starter replacement back, but it's not one of those uh, worst situations, which I think we're going to be getting to, like the New York Giants, where <laughs> there's nobody you really want to roster, but you have to roster somebody. Yeah, so the New York Giants. Um, again, Saquon goes down. So what? 
if you're just comparing situations and maybe if you were trying to figure out what you want to bid fab wise, unless you're the McCaffrey owner, um, maybe the giant situation was a more valuable one for you because it's a year long thing. Like you have that guy for a full year if it works out. Whereas Mike Davis, it's a uh, probably a month, six weeks at the most, I would guess. Um, but out of those two guys, I'd say Dion Lewis and Devonta Freeman are the main two. I know you mentioned Wayne Gallman in your waiver column, but I, I'm not a big Wayne Gallman guy. Well, I'm not a big any of these guys guy, really. But if you had to pick one, or I guess just well, let's 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 stick to Lewis and Freeman first, then we'll pick. Um, just how are you feeling about about this situation? Obviously, it was early, and the Steelers are a tough defense, but it's not like Saquon was exactly having a great time in that offense. Well, Devonta Freeman last year when he finished out in the league, he was forty third out of forty five qualifying backs in yards after carry, which was two point three yards. It was abysmal. I mean, he he looked washed. Uh, he only got a $3 million deal, which I found slightly funny because he was supposedly holding out for a bigger deal. Uh, well, and that's why he and, then, and then his, his agent came out and said that he took less money to because he want, liked that situation. So who knows what to really believe? Yeah. Well, and there's nothing to like about that situation. Um, <laughs> Playing time. That's about it. Yeah, I've never seen an agent lie more in their life right there. Um, but overall, it's just this backfield's not going to be fantasy valuable in my opinion at all. Um, if you were one of the lucky people who maybe had held Freeman hoping he ended up in a better situation like Tampa Bay, um, you're not going to drop him now. But I think Deion Lewis gets the passing down work. I think Devontae Freeman gets the first and second down work. Wayne Gallman mixes in there. In my waiver article, I was pretty bullish on Wayne Gallman getting the first and second down work, but I think Freeman kind of changes that narrative a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, it's probably going to be an RBBC. I don't think we're going to have them committing to one back. Uh, and then at the same time, the offensive line, I know they've had two tough games, but they look pretty putrid up front. They haven't been good run blocking. Daniel Jones hasn't looked like a good passer either. No, he's looked terrible, actually. And then you lose Sterling Shepard as well. So there's just this offense is, you know, all steam ahead towards a bottom 12, bottom 10 offense in the league. And there's just not a lot of upside in it. If you're desperate, you're probably going to run one of these guys out this week. But I don't think any of them return value. The New York teams could really be competing for Trevor Lawrence in in a couple of months. Um, We'll see. Yeah, I I think what I would say on the situation is both guys to me, I would favor Freeman slightly because like I do agree that I think he's probably the favorite for more of the early down work. And I do think that last year, he showed a little bit more on the field than Deion Lewis did. That's not necessarily saying a ton. I don't think either guy was really very good last year. Freeman was okay. Relative to your expectation of where you drafted him last year, it did not work out. But I think he was okay last year. And I, I don't know. To me, like these guys are both like like Freeman's probably like a top 36 guy for me, and Deion Lewis, like top 40, like top 45. Like, I'm not excited about starting either guy. Like for in our league, Deion Lewis went uh, nobody bid on him. So I have the extra spot and he's just sitting on my bench right now, kind of gonna gonna see what happens there. I will say that if you um if you had already had Freeman or since he was technically not on a team. He probably wasn't locked in your league. So whether or not you can drop guys who aren't locked on your benches or you had a Saints guy you could drop like Eli did and both of our leagues actually pulled off in different <laughs> ways. I would say if you can trade Freeman for anything before he plays, I would not be opposed to that at all because there might be a, a Saquon Barkley owner out there who is desperate and overvalues him. Yeah, uh, I think Freeman is a sell high. We haven't even seen him touch the field. And I think you need to sell name value here to your league. Mm-hmm. Uh, there could be some desperate Christian McCaffrey owners who maybe aren't as sharp as they need to be. 
and you can try to do a, maybe a two-for-one and get CMC and put him on your bench. Uh, other guys I'd be shooting for, Melvin Gordon. I think his stock's trending up. He's a good trade-low target. Uh, Miles Gaskin is actually watching tonight's game even. He's 71% snap share in the first half of the Jaguars-Dolphins game. I would even trade Freeman for Miles Gaskin at this point because there's a more defined role there, uh, and he doesn't look half bad. Uh, and if you read Waiver Wire article from our Substack Week 1, you are a Miles Gaskin owner. <laughs> fair enough fair enough okay from a terrible situation to a pretty good one if we can nail down a guy in the 49ers obviously i mentioned raheem Mostert; he's out for a little while um tevin coleman it sounds like at least a couple of weeks so probably not too long for him but you can get a couple of weeks out of one of these other two guys uh either either jarek mckinnon or uh jeff wilson uh dalton if you had the pick between these two which back do you prefer this is a tough one and i i'm gonna lean towards jeff wilson and it has nothing to do with jarek mckinnon it has to do with his usage even with raheem Mostert out last week they still limited jarek mckinnon you can read more about it in my waivers article but he didn't get a lot of snaps even without raheem Mostert. it was really jeff wilson who was on the field more frequently jeff wilson's gonna get the first and second down carries i think overall and because they're playing on the metlife turf again next week <laughs> san francisco is going to be very careful with jarek mckinnon because i think kyle shanahan really likes him they don't want him to get injured they've lost you know two full seasons of a four-year contract on the guy already uh he still is probably the better long-term hold but next week i think jarek mckinnon is going to return more value uh, or sorry, Jeff Wilson's Jeff Wilson. going to return more value. Jarek McKinnon is probably a better long-term value. I think that Tevin Coleman's probably going to end up on the IR, and Jarek McKinnon's going to be getting more work in the future. But next week, if you're in immediate need, Jeff Wilson's the better short-term, and Jarek McKinnon's the better long-term value. Uh, that's really how I'm looking at the situation. I think next week overall, the 49ers are going to be very conservative with who they even put on the field. I don't think Kyle Shanahan wants anything to do with MetLife Stadium. We'll see. We'll see if anything happens with the turf between now and and when they play. I, I'm going to go with McKinnon um, on, on both fronts, uh, short-term and long-term. Uh Number one, just because it's so hard. Like, I get what you're saying, and you could be right, but it's just a total dart throw as to what they're actually going to do usage-wise. And it's tough to extrapolate from the end of that game the other day because, I mean, it wasn't even, even though the Niners had like 85 guys injured, uh, the, the Jets never even made that thing close. So they could do whatever they wanted to pretty much down the stretch and, and ride Wilson. I think if you're playing Wilson, you have a real chance of getting a, a four carry for 10 yards line. And you just better hope you get two touchdowns with it, which is very possible. But he's got a lot more downside. McKinnon, you at least you feel pretty secure in, in the workload. I think he's the the better back, the more complete back. He's just not as good between the tackles, obviously. So he's not going to be the goal line guy. But I'm going to go McKinnon here. I still think overall out of all of these guys, I'd say Mike Davis is probably probably top dog who I'm most excited about, and then McKinnon next, and then those Giants guys after that. I would probably agree with that. I do think if McKinnon's still available in your league and you have the opening, he looks like that freakish spark athlete we saw in Minnesota three years ago. He really broke open some of those runs. He's shifty. He's fast. He's. I think Kyle Shanahan's falling in love again and seeing what he wants to see. And I think with the going down of Tevin Coleman, uh, there's a good chance McKinnon could even compete with Mostert for that top dog role. Yeah, no, it's it's very possible. But okay, well, let's move on. Um, 
I, I guess I should have mentioned what we were doing at the top of the show. Got so wrapped up in our league and the injuries. Um, so up next, we're going to do a little bit of buy or sell. Obviously a different format from the preseason where we were looking at um, certain statistical benchmarks if we were buying or selling. This is going to be more about situations and like how guys have started. Like if if we buy that they can, you know, for example, the first one, buy or sell Michael Gallup as the clear third wide receiver in Dallas. And those are the types of questions we're going to be going to be tackling here we've got a couple of them so let's let's get right into it dalton michael gallup as the clear third receiver in dallas and when i say clear third like i don't mean that you know cooper is one lamb is two and gallup is like basically neck and neck with lamb i mean like there's real concern about gallup being like by far the third most valuable guy on in that passing game so as you know, I have been very distraught over the start to Michael Gallup's season as somebody who is a huge fan of Michael Gallup and still is a huge believer in Michael Gallup and overall is very heavily invested in the entire Dallas Cowboys offense. I have not been <laughs> overall impressed, excluding the second half of a putrid Falcons uh, Cowboys game. With that being said, I am going to stick to my guns and hold my preseason analysis that I love Michael Gallup. And I am going to sell that he is the clear wide receiver three in this offense. I think he is still the second guy. And I still think that he holds more value this season than the other receiver on that team, who I'm not even going to mention at this point uh, because I'm upset of the voice of public opinion and that they're currently getting a few things to blow their way. Here's what I am going to say. Michael Gallup has the third highest average depth of target in the NFL at 17. He plays Seattle, who gives the second highest completion rate over 15 yards in the NFL this week. And it is Michael Gallup breakout season. I'm rostering in FanDuel. You can see my lineup on Sunday on our Twitter. <laughs> DraftKings, good sir. DraftKings. I apologize. The sponsor, DraftKings. Yes, exactly. Podcast. Exactly. Um, but no, I'm keeping it. I think he's going to come around. I think that they've fought some teams who limited Gallup's upside. They've played a lot of two deep safeties against the Dallas offense. I think that changes as the season goes on. Uh, and I also think his target share, which is fifth in, on the team behind Zeke and Dalton Schultz, also changes going forward. Yeah. So that was the first thing is Dalton Schultz got 10 targets uh, the other day. He might not get 10 targets in the next three games like that. That wouldn't be impossible. Um, I'm also going to sell this. I think everybody knows I was not as big uh, on Michael Gallup as you heading into the season. I do still like him. He's on one of my teams. But here's what I'll say about Gallup. Um, well, actually, first, you mentioned the the air yards that I had a very similar stat. He ranks second in the NFL in targeted air yards at 18.8 per attempt. Um, and to that point, I also wrote down here, he's a buy low for me. A absolutely a buy low for me because if he blows up against the Seahawks which as you mentioned is very very possible that defense looks like it can be had about any time which is why Russ has had such a good start so far um you're never going to get Michael Gallup for this low a price probably the rest of the season if he has a good game this week so keep that in mind um if there's no OPI on him in that first game and he makes that 60 yard catch on Ramsey we're probably not even having this conversation because then he would have had a very good week one and then just a eh, okay week two. I mean, not good, but there's worse weeks out there. Um, 
he showed you his one skill, his one very good skill, in my opinion, last week, and that's the the deep threat. That completion, I don't know if you've seen that play, Dalton, in the fourth quarter um, down the sideline uh, late in that game. I think two minutes left, down by nine. Uh, that was probably the biggest play of the game until the onside kick uh, because it, it really saved, it really got Dallas from around midfield to inside the 15-yard line. He rose up, made a great catch. It was only a 17.7% chance of completion per next gen, next gen stats. That was the second most unlikely completion in the league. So it was a really just a great catch he went up and made. Um, and again, he, he he can't do as much as those other two guys underneath, but I think having Lamb and Cooper is going to help him, honestly, in the long run because some of that deep stuff is going to really open up for him. I agree, and I think his schedule softens up a bit. I think they're going to play some defenses that aren't as keen as taking away the deep balls are going to be as neutralizing Zeke. Uh, and overall, what's very encouraging, I think we saw uh, Mike McCarthy's comment today where he said they're not going to try to control the game, which no fantasy player likes to hear. He said they're going to try to score the most points in the game. So uh, hopefully, you know, I talked a lot about Mike McCarthy's usage of his team in the preseason. It looks like he's still a very pass-heavy coach, and it looks like they want to really throw the ball off and uh, which is just more encouraging to Michael Gallup's long-term fi- fantasy viability. If Evan wasn't the owner of him in the league where I want him, I would have traded for him by now. Unfortunately, <laughs> Evan's keen enough to not give he's him. On the, he's on the trade block, but that's really mostly because I have Debo Samuel coming off IR next week. Really need to make a two for one. Otherwise, we're going to have to make a tough decision on the old roster. Yeah, well, I already I already shot my shot trying to get him from you, and it didn't look like it was going to go through. I mean, you made a sarcastic offer, it seemed like, so I'm not really sure that was uh that was a shot johnny real quick before you go Gallup is your guy how do you feel about him i i feel indifferent about him i i thought he was gonna be like the clear number two or even like a potential number one but i i'm i'm just curious to see how this weekend or this week's matchup goes for him and then i'll either decide if i want to like really buy into him or not Mm -hmm, for sure all right man Go tell Mr. Fam hello for us. See you guys. Peace. Bye, Johnny. All righty. Johnny is gone. The old parents are in town. Um, on to a really, really exciting guy to, to start this season. And Kyler Murray, he is on pace for over 1,200 rushing yards, Um, which if you don't have it in front of you, he is actually on pace to break Lamar Jackson's record from, I think, just last season as far as rushing for a quarterback. We won't go quite that far, but buy or sell Murray as a 1,000 yard rusher this year. There's only been two of those, Michael Vick being the other one at the quarterback position. Uh, I'm going to sell this. I, you know, Kyler Murray is incredibly talented. The first thing I want to mention when just looking at this, everybody remembers last year he said he did he doesn't like running the ball. And I actually believe he doesn't like to. He he's a good passer too, which is very important to consider. Um, he's a good passer, but his decision making is still a little shaky sometimes. He's also been up against two very very talented defensive lines, which I think have forced him out of the pocket. It's not like these are designed runs like Lamar Jackson was getting. I mean, the San Francisco 49ers defensive front prior to the MetLife Stadium incident uh, <laughs> was is an incredibly good defensive front. That was week one. Week two was the Washington Redskins or sorry, the Washington football team, which is just another, you know, very imposing defensive front. I think that he spent a lot of time out of the pocket. His offensive line still isn't the best at pass blocking. So I think that number goes down. The schedule softens up a bit. They play Detroit, Carolina, the Jets, the Cowboys. Uh, Until you get to the Cowboys game, you're not seeing a imposing defensive front. They're probably going to want to pass the ball more uh, and probably going to utilize Kenyon Drake and more run options. I think Kenyon Drake's fantasy value is going up. 
I think Kyler Murray's still a stud, top five, top six uh, rest of the season option at quarterback, but I don't think he's going to crack a thousand yards this year. I'm going to push back a little bit. I think there's been maybe some more designed runs that I'd have to go look at the actual number, but yeah, a lot of them have been scrambles, but there have been some read options in there. I think that is in the in the playbook, and I am actually going to buy that he can he can get over a thousand yards. I'm not going to buy he's going to get the twelve hundred, but over a thousand, I I can totally totally buy into that. Um, just looking at some of the runs he's made. I mean, week one when he started that run up the middle and basically did like the video game thing where you just run straight to the outside and just completely dust the entire defense and make it to the pylon was just ridiculous. Week two, uh, his the hesitation move he put on that that line that poor linebacker where he was doing like I guess he was like kind of high stepping and then just exploded. To the pylon and just froze the guy i mean my goodness 21 carries through two weeks so it's not like it's on an insane volume he's just being very efficient um to me he looks like he's like 95 percent lamar jackson um running the ball i think he's every bit as fast he doesn't have maybe quite the same um he's got the agility but maybe not quite the same like cuts that lamar has lamar might be better in that respect and he's bigger obviously but if you're just talking about speed man i don't i don't i don't i don't think lamar is much faster <laughs> i think he's he's pretty freaking fast yeah and i don't disagree at all with the skill set of him as a rusher I, th- I think he's incredibly talented and a great rusher i just really don't think the coaching staff wants him running the ball frequently and i think that they're going to do their best to, to limit that going forward it's just very scary kyler murray is a smaller guy i don't really like the idea of a, a linebacker barreling down at my quarterback in the field and getting a good clean hit on him uh, and I, I think that the coaching staff's going to go in line with that. I think he's a, a shoe in for, you know, 800 rushing yards, but I think a thousand, you're kind of pushing, pushing the envelope a bit. I wish I had the stat in front of me and I don't think it's probably going to be easy to find, but I think, I don't know if it was just week one or maybe it's both weeks, but he's been tackled actually very little um on his runs like i think he was only hit by a defender four times in week one and i don't think it was much more than that in week two and i think a lot like most of those were on dropbacks and obviously this could be a little bit of a crutch argument but you, you think about his background uh baseball player no problem um with the sliding technique from kyler murray i think he's pretty smart about avoiding the hits i'm not as concerned about him getting hit as some other guys because he's so quick so elusive and he's been pretty smart about avoiding that so far yeah and so far it's been a good look but it's just going forward you know he's averaging about nine rushing attempts a game i think that number has to go down i think that his passing volume goes up uh it's just we know kyler murray is not a guy who likes to run we know he's faced good defensive lines and at the end of the day when you put those two things together i think that it's been more situation dependent and that when he can settle back into the pocket and hopefully his offensive line does a little better at pass blocking he's going to have more time to throw the ball and he's not going to be forced on the scramble uh because just looking at it, it looks like 18 of his 21 runs have been scrambles so you know it's a hard metric to year to year and game to game to predict a scramble and it's not a designed rush like we get with guys like lamar jackson and josh allen where you know those are those are there in a consistent game to game basis mm-hmm Sure. Yeah, I, maybe for a future newsletter, if Murray keeps this up, I'll try and find the the stat on how many times he's actually been tackled because I, I really wish I had it. I know I, I just heard it on a podcast and so I don't remember it. But but yeah, good stat on on the on the scrambles. I honestly thought it was a little more read option than, than that. But I guess we'll see what happens there going forward. Um, to another guy on that team, kind of tying it in, uh, Christian Kirk. Um, I obviously wrote about him in the droppable guys this week. Are we 
buy or sell is christian kirk not even fantasy relevant this year i mean he's been basically that so far well I'm going to hit you with some fast facts here. Kyler Murray has the fourth most dropbacks of any quarterback right now at 94. Christian Kirk has eight of those targets. That's not pretty. You wrote about that and talked about how that's not pretty. Nine targets. Give the man some credit. Nine. Well, pro pro football focus gives him eight. Well, ESPN's box scores give him nine. So a big debate here on on how many targets. Almost ten percent, over ten percent of his target share. We we're not sure about. I think he's eleven percent, is what I saw. Again, shorting the man. Again, come on. And then uh, PFF charting his grade. He's actually declined every season, and this year he's at an abysmal fifty four point seven. Uh, and he's at third most for snaps on the Cardinals wide receivers list behind Andy Isabella. And he's actually competing with Larry Fitzgerald right now for the, he's only like 3% above Larry Fitzgerald. And, and real quick, but before I forget this point, that, that shows you that they're playing a lot fewer three wide sets because he played just 47 of 77 snaps last week. So they're rotating those guys, not playing them all together. Yeah. And Isabella has more receiving yards, even though he's had it seen a significant less percentage of snaps. So when you combine all of these things, I just don't see Christian Kirk as being the guy. I actually think Andy Isabella is a better hold. I think Dan Arnold has more red zone upside than Christian Kirk. It's just I don't think there's a, a good fit in this offense for him. And I'll, I'll eat crow now because there's no way that this changes. But <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins is an absolute target share monster. He just eats it. I can't believe that he came into that offense and is just absolutely gobbling up the target share. So yeah, I'm going to hold off on the victory lap a little bit longer, but I'm feeling pretty good about where I was at in that conversation, at least to this point. Um, I'm with you. I'm buying it. I will say I have Kirk in a league. I'm not in a spot where I feel like I have to drop him like I really need to. So I'm going to hold for a little bit longer just because it's hard not to because I spent like a seventh round pick at whatever it was, eighth round pick on the guy. So you feel like you're obligated to. Maybe that's dumb, but it just hurts a lot more to drop a guy that you actually invested a a single digit uh, draft pick in this early on. And you feel dumb if it doesn't um, happen the way you think, frankly. But you mentioned it. He's rotating out with, with Fitz, Isabella. And um, and some of those guys. So he's about I'll, I'll just basically say what I wrote in the droppable section. He's behind Fitz and targets behind Isabella in yards. And he's behind Kenyon Drake in yards as well. He's behind Chase Edmonds in receptions. I do think better days are ahead, but I don't know if that's going to be worth using in fantasy because all of those guys, I think, are going to get touches in the passing game. And it could be a situation kind of like in Houston all of those years with Hopkins, where you want to start Hopkins, obviously. Behind him, there's probably one startable guy every week. You just never know who, it, I mean, obviously Drake in the running game, but just as a pass catcher, there's going to be one guy who puts up like a starting quality week, and you never know who it's going to be. Absolutely. And that's really that's that really nails it on the head, to be honest. I mean... In that entire offense, I don't think there's another wide receiver I would start, and it's too bad, but I'd I'd agree with it. They run so quickly and so fast, and they rotate guys so often that it's really hard to hit on value, and you're going to at least want to lay another four or five weeks before you really know how that whole wide receiver situation works out. The only you know positive I'll note for any owners out there listening is we all know Larry Fitzgerald starts the season very hot and he kind of trails off towards the end. And maybe there's some value there for Christian Kirk to make some, uh, you know, a step forward and kind of overtake Larry Fitzgerald on some of the snaps and take up some of those targets. I'm doubtful of it, but that's, that's the best opportunity you really have right now as an owner. 
For sure. Okay, let let's skip the Kareem Hunt. We'll we'll save the your your guy for last, Dalton. Um, Kareem Hunt, are you buying or selling that he is now an every week no brainer in your starting lineup in fantasy football? Anybody who is a avid listener of the podcast will know that I mentioned Kareem Hunt as a bust. Uh, eat crow for the second time today because I think he's an every week starter. Um, I think that the coaching staff in Cleveland thinks Kareem Hunt's better than Nick Chubb. I know that's going to rattle some cages out there, but you get the first you get the extension from the front office, which was a head scratcher. Then yeah, it's, not, it's not like it was a big money extension. No, no. And uh, for a back, you know, you want to sign him cheap, especially a back like Kareem Hunt, who I would say is close to as talented as someone like Alvin Kamara. Um, but he is the guy who's going to he's not game script <laughs> dependent. I think Nick Chubb is. Nick Chubb is the back they use when they're leading. But we saw in the first game against Baltimore that Kareem Hunt clearly has a role when they're down because of his pass catching ability, and he still can take rush the ball effectively. The next week against the Bengals, when they were well ahead of the game, they still relied on Kareem Hunt for some drives. So I think that he is the the back to own uh, because he's going to be less game script dependent. I think Nick Chubb probably has more ceiling weeks, but he also probably has a lower floor. I think that Kareem Hunt's a great flex option in fantasy leagues as well because he probably has a good floor-ceiling combo of like 8 to 24, which makes you feel pretty comfortable about him in that position. I don't know <laughs> where your thoughts are on that. So that situation's weird. You mentioned that Bengals game. Uh, he was definitely at the closer, and then you mentioned it's not like that game was like out of reach. Um, the Bengals were still very much in it, and, they need, and the Browns needed to go score um, on that drive. Before the fourth quarter, it was more like 70-30 in favor of Chubb. It was pretty much flipped in the fourth quarter in a game that wasn't over. So can't really draw any conclusions from that yet, but just an interesting note, um, something to follow. I am also buying that Hunt is an every-week starter for me. Um, pretty much no-brainer locking it in. Um, I will push back. I don't think the coaching staff thinks he's a better player. I don't think he's a better player than than Nick Chubb. I think Chubb is a much more talented runner. Hunt is probably a little bit better in the passing game, but it's not like Chubb is like terrible in, in that regard as well. He's okay, and he, he'll still catch passes here and there. Um, but the thing about Hunt, you mentioned it, he's not going to ever get scripted out of any game. Chubb won't completely, but you, you're right. Hunt is definitely less dependent on on the game script. He can thrive in, in either one. And the thing about Hunt is he just still passes the eye test. Uh, 64 was 86 yards last week came after contact uh, last Thursday. I know it's the Bengals, but still uh, since week 10, when he came back from his suspension, Hunt has been the top fantasy back seven of 10 games and Chubb has played all of those. This is not a, a Hunt greater than Chubb take, like I mentioned, but I don't know, just, just kind of showing that the, the, the value of those guys is probably a lot closer than anybody, including myself, drafting Chubb in the back of the first early second would have liked to believe heading into the season. Then uh, again, on the eye test thing, Hunt is the most elusive back in the NFL uh, per PFF with at least 20 carries through two weeks. Uh, any guess on who number two is? Have you seen this list? Is it Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? It's Antonio Gibson, number two. It should be Clyde. I don't care. Well, that metric's flawed. Nick, <laughs> Nick Chubb was four. I don't remember who was three. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was fifth, so he wasn't very far down. It's not the worst. I'll, I'll steam ahead if you're Clyde Edwards-Hilaire under and you're listening. Forget the Chargers <laughs> game. Yeah, but okay. All right, so we're in agreement on Kareem Hunt. Uh, pretty much a no-brainer, like top 20 guy for me just about every week until proven otherwise because I think they just, they want to run the ball. I still don't think Baker is very good. I think he's okay. He's not as bad as he showed week one, probably not as good as it looked week two, um, somewhere in between. 
The passing game can still be productive, but the running game is where that team is really going to win games. I like Kareem Hunt this year. Uh, Josh Allen. So at least so far, this is a guy that Ollie a little bit of crow on. He was on my bust list. Uh, he's been great so far. Number two quarterback in all of fantasy, just behind Russell Wilson. He has two 300-yard games. Actually, one 400. His only two 300-yard games of his career are these first two games. Are you buying him as a top three fantasy quarterback rest of season? Oh, man. First, <laughs> the Josh Allen level of just visual stimulation I get from watching this guy play football. I think people I watch football with are tired of me uh, wanting to put on the Bills game because I think Josh Allen is so exciting to watch because he's just a he's just a uh, he plays it like he's playing Madden, which is what I love about watching him play. Uh, I'm buying him as a top three quarterback. I had I bought into this before the start of the season. Um, here's the thing. I do not think that he's going to have or he might have one more 400 yard performance against the Jets uh, later in the season. I think that 300 yard is going to be closer to where he's at. Uh, the Rams, I wish we could wait a week on this and we could see the Rams game where he plays a real defense mm-hmm. so we can have some more conclusions to draw from. Um, but first of all, the the thing is Josh Allen's been making a lot of his money in the passing game, which is not where I, as a Josh Allen lover, expected to be getting that upside. Josh Allen lover. Uh, secondly, the two of you make a great couple. <laughs> thank you. Big hands, Josh Allen. Uh, secondly, this is just interesting to me because we talked about this and you can go back and hear Evan and I's thoughts. Uh, Josh Allen's real crutch and the thing he was bad at was throwing downfield. He has the second most passing yards of throws of 20 plus downfield the NFL right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's going to regress because he's like 12 of 14 and, and those like 20 or 20 plus yard throws, but it's, it's been impressive so far, no doubt. Yeah, and the only person he's behind is Aaron Rodgers. Um, but the thing is, he's only 12th highest in deep passing rate. So he's not, you know, he's not chucking the ball downfield all the time. I think that a lot of people, including myself, underrated the potential Stefan Diggs had to kind of change this offense. I think Stefan Diggs has done a very good job and it's opened up John Brown as well as an underneath receiver. And it's probably one of the better wide receiver tandems in the NFL. Here, here's the thing. And you, you can watch the throws because every fantasy analyst loves to tweet throws where Josh Allen overthrows a player. <laughs> Including I, me. I like it too. It's fun. Here's there. All of them. This is his, this is his weakness. When Josh Allen rolls out of the pocket to his left, that's where the overthrows and the underthrows and the bad throws happen. It's only when he rolls out of that, the pocket. That, to the left. that one in week one, again, I, I'm not giving you a critical of the guy because he's been great this year, but that one in week one where who, what was it? John Brown, the back of the end zone. It would have taken, it would have taken three John Browns stacked on top of each other to catch that one. Well, that was just a throwaway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I'm buying it, um, and in part, just because this is a situation, I said this before, similar to Baltimore, where the coaching staff in the front office bought into their quarterback, and they've put weapons around to really take away the weaknesses of Josh Allen. They gave him the best route runner, so it's really hard to overthrow him. Uh, they've given him a good intermediate pass catcher, and I just really like the situation he's in, and I think the defense helps keep them in game so he stays competitive as well. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I'm going to put your feet to the fire a little bit here. If you think he's going to be a top three quarterback, who are you leaving out of the top three? Because the clear top three, if you're not including Josh Allen, is Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and Russell Wilson. Who is he above? See, this is unfortunate because 
The answer isn't Russ because Russ is going to probably be QB at one and one MVP this year because that front office has decided that they're just going to unleash him. Uh, I would say remember Russell Wilson had a great start last year too. I'm actually going to say Lamar Jackson. And my reason for this is that the first two games, they haven't used him as a rusher as much as we saw previously. His designed run percent, I don't have the exact stat, but I was listening to a pro football focus podcast. He's down like almost 20% on designed runs so far this season compared to where he was last season. That's because he fumbles every time he runs now. Well, and that's another concern. Uh, They added more weapons in the backfield too, and I think that the coaching staff wants him to develop as a passer, which I don't know if you're – I'm still a little out on that one. Uh, He had a good passing performance against Cleveland, not so much against the Texans. Uh, And I think Cleveland's a suspect defense after what Joe Burrow was able to put up, 300 yards on 60 passes. Uh, But if you don't see his designed run percent stay high – he doesn't have the same big-time throw potential that Patrick Mahomes has, which is just absolutely absurd. We saw it with Tyreek Hill. I think that he's still a great guy, but I think that he's not going to finish in the top three. I think Josh Allen usurps uh, Lamar Jackson. And I think the Chiefs game, we might get a better taste of if that offense is ready to let him run again or if he's going to be relegated to a passer, and that really hurts his fantasy value. Mm-hmm. So, Okay. I'm going to sell this one, but not as hard of a sell as you would think. Like, if you asked me, because like, I am as a bust, and a bust as a quarterback going in the mid rounds meant like I thought he was more a top 10 to 12 guy than top six, like he was being drafted. If you asked me today, I would say I for sure buy him as a top six guy. Um, he's been great this year. I mean, even as a big skeptic, I, I'll definitely admit that. As you mentioned, there were some misfires in week one. The one that John Brown, the back of the end zone, stands out. But last week, he was just throwing bombs down the field all last week. Just, I mean, just hitting digs left and right, just torching the Dolphins. I mean, obviously it's the Dolphins, but still, it, it was impressive. He's never, he's never really done that before, no matter who the opponent was. So you've got to give him credit. You mentioned it. I think that Diggs' presence has made a bigger difference than we would have anticipated. And I think you're seeing that both ways. I think you're seeing that in Minnesota, they're struggling without him on the outside, try, kind of trying, because I mean, it's kind of what we've seen with the Steelers where it's like, where it's just Juju. Um, they need that guy on the outside, which is why Deontay Johnson is such a revelation for them this year, why the Vikings are missing Stefan Diggs and why Stefan Diggs is helping uh, the Buffalo Bills so much and, and John Brown so much. I will say that if you can get like an amazing trade for any, eh, maybe not, it's harder with a quarterback, but if you can get like a great trade for Diggs or for Brown, I'd be willing to listen because if they could still be very good, but you might be able to get more than they're worth at this point. But like you mentioned the Rams. I think we're really going to find out. I mean, we can't draw any lasting conclusions, obviously, but we're going to find out a lot more about what that passing game is made of. But they've really turned into a pass-heavy team. And for me, that that's a big blow to both of those running backs. Obviously, the fact that that Moss and Singletary are close to a committee is a little bit of a blow to Singletary. Not entirely unexpected, but what is unexpected is they are not a run first team right now. And that that's really hurting a guy who I loved preseason to kind of take this into a different direction. Yeah. Well, and then to talk about their run game, it, th- that's probably one of the biggest surprises of the season. The bills are a pass heavy team, especially because if you were looking at the two first games they played against the jets, 
and against the Dolphins, you would say to yourself, wow, they're going to just pound the rock after they go up. Yeah, it's like, yeah it's like they don't even have to pass the ball. Why, like, why would why would they not run the ball? Yeah, uh, but it looks like something in the offseason, that coaching staff bought into Josh Allen as a passer, and they want to see him do it, which is great for me and great for his MVP odds. Um, I will say the run blocking overall has been suspect in Buffalo this season. I think I've seen a lot of... Uh, getting hit behind the line of scrimmage for Moss and Singletary. I think rest of the season, though, those guys still have value. They're definitely by lows. Uh, this week, Singletary could have a big game with Zach Moss. I think he has turf toe in my yes. Uh, yeah, Sing- Singletary is a nice uh, daily play this week, I think. Yeah, but if they're in your league, I'm not totally against rostering or going after one of those guys right now because their owners are probably feeling a little spent. Uh, my reasoning behind that is that the Bills look like they're going to be one of the top 12 offenses in the NFL, and it's always a good thing to have it back on those teams. Mm-hmm. I think they're at least flex value still. So back to Josh Allen for a second. He is one of only four quarterbacks in the history of the league with six passing touchdowns and no picks through two weeks. Mahomes, his MVP year, Tom Brady 2015, and Peyton Manning 2013 are the three others. So regardless of opponent, that that that's good company for sure. But okay, so what I will say is we made a lot of preseason bets. We haven't made any bets in season. I want to bet you straight up that Lamar Jackson, from this point forward, not including weeks one and two, from this point forward, I bet you that Lamar Jackson outscores Josh Allen in fantasy. God, that so favors you, but I can't say no. <laughs> that was that favor me. You said he's a top three quarterback going forward. Um, I'll take it. Uh, it's fair. Fair is fair. Um, I I'll take those odds. Jo- if Josh, you're listening, <laughs> I invested so much money in your success <laughs> and your upside. Uh, so I'm, I'm typing this down. Josh Allen outscores Lamar Jackson. I think I don't have to put who bet what. I think we all know who's on what side when it comes to this bet. Make sure Johnny gets that in the in the Google Doc. Um, I will say, surprisingly, despite everything, the Raheem Mostert Jonathan Taylor bet somehow worked out in my favor with both guys just bawling out of their mind. Yeah, well, uh, the the injury the Mostert well, might, might, might well, throw Matt a wrench. Like had other things to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, uh, anything else on on your Buffalo Bills and your guy Josh Allen? No, I'm very excited for the Rams game. Though I think we're going to get a better understanding of where both those teams stand. It, mm-hmm. It's an underrated 2-0 matchup. I know everybody <laughs> wants to see Ravens against Chiefs, but I think Rams against Bills are two uh, teams that could end up in the NFC and AFC championships, have well-put-together rosters. Mm-hmm. I will say, uh, and this was an interesting note I listened to from PFF, Ian Haritz made a great point, and I loved it. It's that it looks like Jared Goff uh, is the kind of quarterback who can't go out and make plays on his own. And somehow Josh Allen turned into the quarterback who can really shoulder his offense and go out and make the plays for it, which is very interesting because two years ago, uh, people were ready to throw the bus, uh, throw Josh Allen under the bus. And Jared Goff was, you know, crowned the next Tom Brady of the league. And I think that we've just seen a little bit of a changing of guard there. Uh, just shows you how fast the NFL is to change. Yeah. So I, I'm glad you brought up the Rams because we originally had thought about doing a show where we just kind of looked at the situations that had surprised us so far turned out better or worse than we were thinking through two weeks and the rams are one of the more interesting ones to me i think last year obviously that o-line was so bad so banged up um and you saw that golf like you said he's not a guy who's really capable of carrying a situation and making it great but 
I think what you're seeing right now is a full offseason of an offensive genius in McVay who got clowned last year um, on the field and then by a lot of people. Um, off, it was a rough 12 months for that guy because starting with the Super Bowl and then extending into the next season, it was not smooth sailing for a team that went all in. So you're, I think you're, you're seeing just a heck of a coaching job, just all of you know the play action. Goff doesn't even have to make reads on a lot of these. You get Robert Woods wide open. You get Tyler Higby like wide open for three touchdowns. It, it's been really fun to watch. And while we're on the topic, I'm, I mean, we didn't plan this, but I. I'm curious your thoughts. Um, if Daryl Henderson is the only guy in town this week, uh, both those backs are missing. How high? How how good do you feel about playing him against a pretty good Buffalo defense? Well, first, let me say, uh, and you're an NBA guy, I'm not Evan, but this is my comparison. I think Sean McVay is the Brad Stevens of the NFL. I think that he does the most with the the smallest. Uh, he's really turned. I mean, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup are great receivers, but he's really utilized their skill set. He's made Jared Goff look like a top tier quarterback, and I'm still questioning that. Yeah, I think Nick Nurse may have something to say about the <laughs> Brad Stevens thing, but the, yeah, I get the point. It's definitely an apt comparison. Um, but as far as it goes with Daryl Henderson, I'm starting him because I think that he's going to get usage. The Browns are still throwing to their running backs, which is always a high, high value play for any fantasy. Um, he might be a good contrarian play in a DraftKings lineup. I, I probably won't roster him in any lineup I make. I'm assuming when you say Browns, you mean who? Bills. Okay. The Bills run defense overall is good, but again, um, there, I have questions. Miles Gaskin looked kind of good last week against the Bills, and the Dolphins' offense was able to work against the Bills' defense. Um, it's, it's in a season-long league. I'm starting him no matter what. In a in a daily fantasy league, I'm probably going to look elsewhere for my value, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just think it's an interesting conversation because it shows how quickly things can change. After Week One, you know, he's banged up, coming off the hamstring. The other, I mean, Malcolm Brown's great. Cam Akers is all right. Henderson feels like a distant third. A lot of people probably dropped him. And then now after this week, it's like he might be the starter kind of by default, but also he played really well last week in his first like real heavy workload game since coming into the NFL. So I think that's just a good a good reminder to be, if you have um, conviction on certain guys, and that's kind of why I preached maybe a little more patience than I'm feeling ultimately with Christian Kirk, for example, but if you have your conviction on guys, don't be afraid to kind of wait it out a little bit if you can. I think Henderson's a good example of that. Yeah, I think just if we're just throwing names out to other guys you, you should wait on. Um, Allen Robinson hasn't had a great start to the season. I wouldn't jump ship on a guy like that. Uh, running back wise, oof. I don't know if there's – it's been bad all around at running back. Well, Kenyon Drake, you mentioned him as a guy whose stock is rising. He hasn't done a ton this year so far but he, he's a guy who I, I think if you're looking to buy low on, on a running back he's another one but that's a whole different conversation we'll probably get into, into that more down the line but I thought the Rams conversation was an interesting one to kind of bring up uh, off the cuff there but alrighty, before we head out um, we'll run through uh, Dalton so we've got star of the week we've got our sit of the week this week so new from last week and then we have our QB streamer this week we're going to skip the defense even though we both did pretty well on defense last week, maybe I shouldn't be skipping that one. But who do you have for your start of the week this week? My start of the week is Ryan Tannehill. He plays an absolutely tragic uh, 
Minnesota Vikings defense. Uh, that entire that that would that might be the we were talking about this a minute ago. That might be one of the biggest surprises of the season is yep. absolutely how bad Minnesota looks in every facet of the game. Uh, just goes to show you that you can't rely on a running back to win you games, no matter how good Dalvin Cook is. But Ryan Tannehill, uh, he threw for four touchdowns last week. He picked up where he left off last season, uh, which was being a highly efficient quarterback per drop back and he's also done it without his starting uh wide receiver one and aj brown for almost two games so i am incredibly surprised with ryan Tannehill. we touched on him once in a pod but we haven't done a lot uh, mm-hmm. i think if he is a guy who's still available in your league you should roster him especially if you're still running out of matt stafford or drew Brees. um those are probably guys to jump ship on at this point i think ryan Tannehill is just such a it's just another notch in the belt that is Adam Gase being a horrible coach and ruining the value of so many players. And I think Ryan Tannehill's coming into his own. Uh, he's going to probably have another three touchdown game, and they're absolutely going to wall up the Minnesota Vikings. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually, so I'm not even going to expand on that for my streamers. He, uh, well, okay, I'll, I'll I'll use my second streamer then. But he was my streamer of the week, uh, Ryan Tannehill at quarterback streamer. Um, my start of the week, let's see, I just had it and it went away. Okay. So I was thinking about going Allen Robinson, but I felt like that was a little, I mean, even though it's been a little bit rough, like you said at the beginning, that's still too obvious. So I'm going to go David Montgomery. He's probably a guy that you have not used or have tried to get away from using if at all possible through the first two weeks. I know the, the passing defense is really where the Falcons are vulnerable, but just overall, the Falcons are not a good defense. I don't have faith in them stopping anybody, anywhere, at any time, even Mitchell Trubisky and his offense. I think David Montgomery, if you're starting him, you're going to get a, a solid RB2, um, possibly upside for a, a top 12 type of day from, from David Montgomery this week. Yeah, David Montgomery is another big surprise. Um, obviously, he had the long reception last week where he looked really well on the touchdown, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an interesting game as well. Uh, David Montgomery is somebody that I'm eating a little bit of crow on because I was at a void on him, especially after his injury. But it looks like he's actually going to be a good back this year. Yeah, he, he's looked he's looked okay so far. I, I'd say he's looked pretty decent. But um, so QB streamers, actually no, let's go let's go with the sit of the week first. I will actually go first. My bust this week is Melvin Gordon, um, probably being ranked as a top. 14 top 12 type of guy and a guy that you probably can't get away from if you have him especially given the carnage of last week but um with jeff driscoll taking over i have zero confidence in very much of that offense i mean you gotta start gordon if you have him you're starting noah fant and truthfully like if you're just comparing obviously i don't feel like fan is going to outscore gordon but i feel better about fant relative to position than i do gordon um, the Bucks are just a good run defense. I, I mean, they they held up well against Kamara and McCaffrey. Even before McCaffrey got hurt, it was like 18 for 59 uh, for McCaffrey. So I think that's a pretty solid defense. And it's I don't see Gordon getting a whole lot of passing game usage. I know he caught the touchdown, but just in general, I don't see Driscoll being a guy who's going to get through his progressions and dump it down to his third or fourth option very often. You're going to have to get those designed pass plays to him to really get that value. So Melvin Gordon is a guy that I'm shying away from this week. Yeah, and I would agree with that overall. The Bucs are going to uh, uh, completely destroy the Broncos. Actually, the Bucks would have been my defensive streamer if they were available in your league. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to add to that, how disgusting is it that Thursday night game next week is Jets uh, 
about Broncos. It's probably it's just so it's such a horrible game. It's more disgusting than tonight, uh, Jaguars Dolphins, and that's yeah. saying something. Um, Why do they do this? They uh, I don't know because uh, it's not for the views. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's because they know that nobody will actually watch those games if they're on Sundays. So they'll put it where at least they'll get viewers just because people want to watch sports. I don't know. Yeah, and then people like me bet the Dolphins to cover. Looking <laughs> good right now. I was gonna say it was twenty-eight-seven last I saw. Uh, but yeah, I would well, agree. It's, with it's no. got to hurt you that Preston Williams has a touchdown against you in our league. I'm just, I'm just now catching up with this. He does, and it's literally one of his two catches for seven. <laughs> it's um, but my set of the week is actually the entire wide receiving core for the Cleveland Browns. Really? Which, okay. I know people are questioning that one after last week, and they looked pretty good. Here's the issue. I've said this every week since the football season started, but the the Washington football team has an incredibly intimidating front uh, between Kerrigan, Sweat, and Chase Young, who was everything he was hyped to be. And we know one thing about Baker Mayfield in the NFL, and that is that Baker Mayfield is really, really bad under pressure. Uh, I don't trust the Baltimore front to def- just protect him well enough that they're going to have a good game. I think he's going to be under the, pressure. The Browns. The Browns. The, the Browns. Browns. Uh, words are hard tonight. Very. Um, but I don't think the Browns def- or offensive line is going to protect Baker. I do think it's a game that is going to be close, so they're going to be able to rely on their run game. Also, and this is just an aside, I don't think it means much, but it is concerning when Odell just comes out and is like, I don't think I'm going to have a career year or have that great of a year. And you're like, wow, that's great as a, fa- a fantasy owner. Um, but I think this is going to be a difficult game for Cleveland. And more importantly, I just don't think Baker's going to look good. Uh, he's just so matchup dependent. And this matchup doesn't look good for him on paper. Yeah, I mean, I see where you're coming from. If you're, if you're thinking about starting Landry, probably not. But if you've got Odell, I don't know how you get away from him after last week. I know it's the Bengals, but he, he looked good. That touchdown, he, that was a, 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 an absolutely filthy route, a double move on the touchdown he would have caught a second touchdown had that uh, a pass interference that went uncalled uh been called he got grabbed when he had the guy beat so i mean if odell has whatever it would have been six for 90 and two touchdowns it it would have been even harder i think you've probably gotta just kind of sit in the flames with odell if you've got him but i understand the point and if you've got a very deep team at receiver maybe you can get away from odell but i probably am not uh, as far as QB streamers this week, I was going to say Tannehill. Good thing I had a second one prepared this week because I knew we were on the same page last week. going to try and avoid that this week. We'll see. Uh, Justin Herbert, uh, without getting into all of the craziness with Tyrod Taylor uh, over the last couple days and the punctured lung, uh, Justin Herbert, he has the job for right now. He looked pretty freaking good last week against the Chiefs. I mean, I know the Chiefs were kind of sleepwalking through that game a little bit. Maybe kind of a trap game with Baltimore coming up this week, and you have to travel clear out to L.A., but he looked the part to me. Threw for over 300 yards, had a rushing touchdown, and had some pretty strong rushes where was it Damian Lee who like bounced off of him on the big hit, and Herbert wasn't shaken up at all. I mean, he, he's got a little bit of rushing upside. The, the throwing looked pretty good to me. I mean, he's got the huge arm as advertised. A couple of inaccurate throws here and there. You expect that from from a rookie. With that was kind of his reputation. He can get a little wild just with the accuracy, but can make every throw. And really, only made one bad decision last week. It was a very bad decision, but only really one bad decision. And um, he gets Carolina 
that doesn't exactly scare me. Yeah, and I think Herbert's a great value option because he has good weapons around him. Uh, I'm going to go with something that hurts right down, but the guy's you know, looked good so far this year, and he plays a putrid Atlanta defense, and it's Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> uh, two seasons ago, Mitch Trubisky finishes the QB8 and had a couple of 30-point games mixed in there, which was astonishing. And uh, I think one thing he's learned is that Anthony Miller isn't a, a guy you need to throw to. I think Anthony Miller... <laughs> It's just had a tremendous up and down season. It was, so it, was, far. it was a good week one and then a very bad drop in week two for that yeah. touchdown. It's been tremendous. The roller coaster ride his owners must be on. Um, I think that Allen Robinson probably eats this game. I think Mitch can also use his legs more. Uh, just, just on the same note, Evans on though, just so everybody is aware, if it's Brian Tannehill in your league, you need to pick him up and start him this week. I think we're both in agreement on that. And we hit pretty well last week, minus. Uh, yeah, if, Gar- if Garoppolo would have played two halves, he had 13 points at halftime. Yeah, and this is the third time I'll mention this, but the MetLife Stadium, <laughs> just a fantasy landmine, apparently. The, the uh, Met- MetLife turf is going to be the new uh, Kevin Stefanski of, of the podcast <laughs> at this point forward. Yeah, because Kevin Stefanski's play, play action game hasn't turned into what we need either. Uh, so, yeah, uh, but I think... Overall, all three of those guys we mentioned are good streamers. And to anybody listening, this is a good reason why you don't draft quarterback early because these guys probably are all you know twenty plus scorers this week. Yeah, and they all definitely could be for sure. And and you never, I mean, there's it's so close at quarterback every week. But I, I like the the call. Um, obviously, you, you mentioned Tannehill. I, I'm all in on that if he's out there. And with Trubisky, yeah, it feels gross if you've got another. You know, if you've got another quarterback, you feel good about you're using that quarterback. But Trubisky, if you're streaming, if you're somebody with a court like a car, if you still have Carson Wentz, and I can see starting Wentz against the the Bengals this week. But if you don't want to do that for a third week in a row to your team, I get it. You can try Trubisky there. That's that's an example of a guy that I would consider using him over. But and again, that kind of goes back. I thought about putting Al Robinson as my star of the week. Seemed too obvious. I thought about Anthony Miller. Was way too scared to put my faith in him. So went David Montgomery. But I think overall what I'm saying with that and what Dalton already said is you like the matchup against the Falcons, even if Trubisky can uh, be a little hard to trust. Yeah, I think he's more than a little hard to trust. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and sorry to all those Falcons owners right now watching Julio Jones uh, might miss a game and maybe even getting usurped as the wide receiver one on his team. He had 11% of the target share last week, which is a little weird. Ridley is like the number one receiver by a large margin. He has like a million touchdowns, which is why apparently Calvin Ridley is going to catch 36 touchdowns this year. Yeah, and Josh Allen's on pace to throw for 5,000 yards. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, I think that'll do it for us today on episode 14 of the Half Point Per Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Half Point Per Pod. We'll do another live stream of uh, this Sunday morning. Maybe producer Johnny Fan will make an appearance. We'll see if we can get him on there. We'll answer the start sit questions if you've got any. Talk about our own lineup decisions or just other lineup decisions we are seeing being talked about across Twitter. Sunday morning because there is always plenty of conversation. We will, of course, talk about daily. I think we both actually cashed last week uh, in we DraftKings. It was a little bit, I think, $8 for me, 6 for you. So uh, not any huge winnings, but after week one where I wasn't even close, that felt pretty good, I have to say. Subscribe to the newsletter. That link will be in the show notes as always. And the podcast is available anywhere you listen to podcasts, most notably Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review, and we will talk to you Sunday morning. And after that, 
after week three for a hopefully much less injury-riddled week of football. God, I am so confused.